0: Is your team not performing well? Is morale low and turnover high? Are you falling further behind the competition? I'm here to help. I'm your host, Shaney, and this is The Leadership Show, where business strategy and culture finally meet, and we make the long-awaited shift from rhetoric to results. I promise I'm not your typical boring leadership consultant, and I will help you get your shift together. Let's do this. Hello, LeaderShifters, and welcome to another episode of the LeaderShifters Show with yours truly, Shady. Do I have a treat for you all today? My guest is Luann Beekler, who is also known as the Little Spark, and little only in the sense of height. She is four foot eleven, yet she has the energy of like 10,000 firecrackers, as you're going to see today as we talk about culture and the passion test and things related to her coaching, training, and speaking. So welcome to the show, Luann. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Shani. It's an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it. So You've been at this for a long time, helping mostly small businesses improve their culture and their leadership, and that comes after your own career in leadership roles. So before we even get into what you're doing right now with your clients, I'd love for you to share just a little Reader's Digest version of your career, including the Mayo Clinic, because that's, (laughs) as we talked about pre-show, you know, Lots of respect for for that institution. Thanks. Yes. Well, I um, went to
1: college for hotel and restaurant management, spent 15 years in the hospitality industry, and then I got married and had children. And the 24-7 operations of a hotel business was more than I wanted to handle with small children. I was missing holidays and Uh, Mother's Day and things like that busy with activities at the hotel and so I searched for something else well the Mayo Clinic meeting planners were one of my largest clients at the hotel I was working at so I set my sights at getting a job with Mayo Clinic in their meeting planning division which is really called the School of Continuing Medical Education now it took me five interviews, Shaney, to demonstrate that my background in the hospitality industry had something to do with continuing medical education. Because the reality is, it had nothing to do with continuing medical education. However, everything to do with event planning. And what they really needed was event planners. They were just calling them CME specialists. But um, that was the disconnect, you know, and they were, it's a, a leadership thing there, right there, right? They were focused on fulfilling a job description rather than on the personality type that might do that job really well. And so they kept looking for educators. Well, educators are used to a curriculum, a schedule, consistency. I go home every day, my desk is clean and forgive me educators if that's not true. But the educators we hired never lasted in the department because it's a crazy event business to run conferences that large we had I managed uh, at mail when I was the supervisor of the department we managed 300 meetings annually mm-hmm. ranging from 10 to 2000 people at right. different levels you know so it was great the experience it was awesome
0: well and, and you know, let me just pause you right there and say experience was the word that came to mind as you were talking because anyone can deliver training and you know especially if we're dealing with medical professionals and we want their expertise to be up to the latest and greatest the best way for anyone to learn especially as an adult is through an immersive experience where people are open to learning and can pay attention and you know, even the littlest things like is the temperature right in the auditorium right. actually matters to whether or not they're learning. Right,
1: totally true. Yeah. Totally true. And I think the years that I was there was the the years of transitioning into concepts of video conferencing and what could we demonstrate from a surgical suite into a conference and have a back and forth. I mean. We were just beginning that kind of conversation back then. In fact, I do remember them saying that one day it would all be video conferencing. And I've always said, no, 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 no. We need human interaction. We need human touch. We need to be energetically in the space together. Well, we've learned over the last year that, yes, in fact, we love that, but we can do it this way. We can do business this way and education this way via the electronics, the Zoom, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, um, I've got doctors in my family, and actually I was engaged to one long time ago. And and so I've always been somewhat more aware than a non-medical professional about how medical students and, I guess, doctors are, are, are trained as they go. So it's learn one, do one, teach one. and. Yeah. We can do that online as well, I I
1: suppose, with with some things. Yeah, so I've been out of Mayo Clinic now for 16 years uh, is when I I left uh, to start my own business. And uh, I have no idea, so currently, how they're doing with the current situation. I have faith in the world-famous Mayo Clinic that they're on top of everything, and I feel blessed that I live in the home of the world of the Mayo Clinic. World Famous Mail Clinic, especially in a pandemic, right?
0: So I'm always looking for those blessings in my life. Absolutely. All right. So let's move into what you do now. So um I and, and in doing so, I I wanna read a quote. Uh which I uh, uh all right, so small business leadership has changed. Ten years ago, you could keep your grand vision to yourself and treat employees like task rabbits rather than stakeholders. Today your people want to know why they do what they do. And I I love that first of all, the um, just the imagery around task rabbits, like people running around doing, um, and of course the emphasis that you put on, you know, the purpose and the passion that are now so important to employee engagement. So what brought you into this niche? Oh gosh, so what brought me into this niche
1: is a uh, floundering small business owner myself having stepped out of corporate America deciding I wanted to be my own entity and never have employees again. (laughs) That was my mission at the time. And uh, what I found uh, is that I had no buying power, right? To leverage uh, hotel contracts and things like that the way that I did when I worked in a large institution mm-hmm. and I made a short uh, six-month stint with a travel agency on the attempt to get that buying power back so I could help my meeting and event pl- planning clients and during that um, employment at the travel agency I found an organization called BNI, Business Network International. Mm-hmm. and. They struck me with their philosophy of giver's gain instantly at my heart and soul. They had no more that they had to Mm. say to me, we live by a philosophy of giver's gain. And I'm like, I'm in, when do I come to the meeting? What, what, tell me more, you know? And so I stepped into the BNI organization and I was with them for maybe four months before the travel agency and I parted ways. But in that short period of time, what I saw is a collaboration of entrepreneurs. And I said, if these individuals can run their business, their own business, so can I. And I know that they are a collaborative, supportive team of people that they're gonna help me be successful. They're gonna wanna lift me up. That's what this organization is all about. And so yep. I, I printed a business card and went back to my p i meeting with no business plan. just a, sort of a name change of my business. Here's who I am now. and. I've never looked back, Um, so that led me to an opportunity to become a BNI director, which allowed me to do coaching and training on the BNI system, which I'm just a teacher and a trainer at heart, you know, so I'm like, let me do that, which led me to being recognized for doing a good job by picking up our founder, Dr. Ivan Meisner, at the airport in Minneapolis when he came to visit Minnesota to celebrate the 10th anniversary of BNI here in Minnesota. And so this is a little butterfly effect story. So then we had about an hour to kill before I was meant to take him to the next location he was due at. And I said, "You know, go check into your hotel, get settled, whatever. He's like, what are you gonna do? And I said, I guess I'll just wait for you in the lounge. He said, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And in the BNI organization, we do something called one-to-ones where okay. you sit down one-to-one, kind of like you and I are, and we engage in a business conversation to get to know each about each other's businesses and what's a good referral for you and how can we help each other. Uh-huh. And the founder of the organization, and he sat with me and we did one-to-one and he learned about me and what I was doing and where I wanted to go in the world. And um, I learned about him and other things he was involved in. And it was about a year later, maybe 18 months, he called me up and he said, I think I have a referral for you. So I've never met a man who walks more in the integrity of his organization than Dr. Ivan Meisner and I absolutely have high respect for him. So he referred me to an organization called the Transformational Leadership Council, okay, which is made up of transformational leaders from all over the world, started by author Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series yeah. and the Canfield Success Principles. And I have been with the Transformational Leadership Council now for 13 years. I originally started as one of their event planners. Now I'm a member of the organization. Okay, Because what I did is I learned. I sat there like a little sponge in the back of the room and I listened to everyone's presentations and I picked up on all of their materials and their teachings and adopted what worked for me and what I could teach other people. And one of those was the passion test.
0: Ah, okay. Put a pin in the passion test right now because I want to come back to that in just a second. I want to underline the series of experiences that you have already shared for those who are listening and watching right now because you all engage me in a lot of conversations about career shifting. And, oh, you know, well, this is the industry I'm in. I don't think I can get into another industry or this is what I'm trained in. I don't know how to do that. I don't think my skills... Now we're transferable to something new. Bullshit. Listen to the stories that Luann has just shared about transforming her own career. Yes, it takes hard work. It's not easy. There is no free lunch. But through hard work and passion and commitment, if you are good clay, as I like to say, you you can mold yourself into someone who is qualified to do almost anything that you want to do so thank you for that inspiration
1: yeah we say in the passion test you have the power to create whatever you want in your life if you don't like the channel that's playing in your life right now change the channel you can recreate it we stay in stuck of that spot because of a societal pressure what you spent 10 years in medical school and now you don't want to be a doctor anymore And we're for fear of judgment from someone else forget that no way right Mm -hmm. you gotta live for you not for someone else and so we can and absolutely have the right to recreate
0: ourselves anytime we want to for sure so let's let's dig into the passion test what is it and who is it for just for starters
1: okay so first of all it's not a test i love that (laughs) (laughs) co-authors of the philosophy in the book, regret the day they ever named it a test. It is a process that I facilitate people through to help them identify their top five passions and set a course to living that in your life. It's your why, you just talked about it. It's Mm -hmm. your why, it's your core values. It's what is most important for you to have in your life and go do that. I
0: compare it a lot to the strength finder. I suppose you've talked with people about the strength finder. Absolutely. I actually was just talking to a client about it today and just put a proposal in to do strength finders with a recurring client yesterday. So yes. So so the strength finder is a test
1: that people can go online and take the test and it prints out their top five strengths. I would never profess to understand how that works, but I love it. And when it spit out my top five, I'm like, totally true. Totally me, right? Nope. You'll never guess Shani, what's my number one? Woo. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise ever to anyone. Anyway, so I call the Strength Finder the scientific methodology at getting at who you are and just who you were designed to be in this world, okay? And the passion test is the heart and soul methodology, oh. getting into your heart of what you care most about. And really, if you use those two tools and put them together, it's a powerhouse of knowledge of just who God designed you to be. And go do that. That's all you're supposed to do, it's just who you were designed to be. And it's so much easier. I say, when you get connected to your life's flow, everything comes easier. So when you get in that alignment with who you were designed to be, mm-hmm. you start to. In this world and everything feels easier is it always easier no there's challenges that we still face but i gotta tell you had i never stepped into the transformational world i guarantee you i would have had a different reaction to this last year than i had this way from the beginning of this pandemic i said something good is coming out of this i have no idea what it is i'm going to accept reality for what it is today and do my best to continue to bring joy into the world counteracting all that negativity that's my job to bring joy into the world right, right? and i'm just going to wait for that something fabulous that's going to happen on the other end and it may not be tomorrow and it may not be next year it may be down the road before we really can say oh this is why all that happened
0: yeah, yeah. i believe there's a reason and so well you know you raised a great Point that I wanna dig a little deeper into, which is heart and soul. They do belong in business, right? The, the time where we're all a bunch of robots in, um, in manufacturing facilities and people are dispensable uh, has passed and, and the brain can only take us so far. In fact, at the beginning of the pandemic, co- another colleague of mine who's in our space, leadership space, we did a a free four part webinar series that we called lead with love. Mm -hmm. And, and we're like, you know what, we're, we had both been wanting to talk about love in leadership for a long time. And we're like, you know what, now seems like the right time. People are, their ears are going to be open. Their minds are going to be more open. And, and I think the message that love doesn't mean that romantic love, it means we're empathetic and we're human and we treat other people with respect and and right and we we bring our passion more of our full self That's to right. work and all of that. So I love that you're you know on this mission with with
1: other like-minded people <laughs> as well. I need to connect you with another friend of mine unless you already know him. Are you familiar with Steve Farber? I am not. Steve Farber wrote a book called Love is Just Damn Good Business. Oh, I love it. He has several leadership books before that. The Radical Leap um, and the Radical Leap Revisited. And LEAP stands for love, energy, audacity, and proof. You have to love what you do. You have to put the energy behind it. You have to audaciously take action on it and then prove, find the proof that what you're doing is the right thing. So I love following Steve Farber and his models as well. Um, We study Steve Farber's books for our certification in the passion test for business work that I do. Okay, so let's step back to the passion test for a minute. Yes, The passion test originally came out as a tool like the Strength Finder to help people get to know themselves follow their passions individually, right? And then we said, oh my gosh. And so I still do that work with individuals when they want to. And any business leader I work with goes through the personal piece first before we dive down into their business. And what does it speak to in business? It really speaks to what we used to call mission, vision, values, only on a much bigger inspirational way. And we go to the heart and we get to those passions which can become your core values if you prefer that language. I don't care which language you use. I find passion more inspiring, but lots of people go back to it, core values. And then we create from that what we call a unique contribution statement. What is the unique (laughs) contribution you want to make in the world with your business? What is that inspiring statement that tells the world who you are and what you stand for? And then go do that, right? And the passions support that. It's sort of a higher umbrella, and it can become a marketing phrase,
0: a tagline,
1: if you will, in your business.
0: Then oh, we I ask that. That's such a more modern concept than USP, unique service proposition. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and unique then we create contribution a big statement.
1: Yeah. Then we create a big, beautiful vision, and we go 10 years down the road. And we say, if you could create the ideal business and life for yourself, what would it look like 10 years down the road? And we actually write a story. And we pull all the pieces back into this story from the personal passions to the company passions. And we write this big, beautiful story. And then we chunk it backwards gradually until we can make an action plan, which we call a cultural action plan for the next year. And every action that you're gonna take to align your actions with your values or your passions, in every department, in every aspect of your business. So, you know, people historically maybe wrote mission vision values and they were in business plan that's now in a drawer and nobody's looking at them. They Mm -hmm. might even have a token poster on the wall with them. The question is, are they living and breathing them every day? Do every employee know what they are by heart? Because that empowers the employees to make decisions in alignment with those values,
0: hundred percent. Yeah, it, it it's like you're you you literally read off the same song sheet I do. I mean, those I, those exact words have come out of my mouth so many times. I love it. Um, cultural action plan is music to my ears because, as you know. One of my missions is to elevate culture strategy to the same level as business strategy, and when they meet, magic can happen. Okay, I got a new quote for
1: you if you have never heard this one before, and I got this one from Dr. Ivan Meisner himself, right? And he said, "Um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yep, Culture strategy for breakfast is so powerful because it's so true. You can do all the strategies you want. And if you fail to have a foundation of culture, those strategies are going to fail. Some might work sometimes, but they won't be sustainable in the long run. They have to be in alignment with your culture, your core values, who you stand for, who you are. And this all comes back to the why, right? And I taught like everybody wants to know how to engage the Y generation. I'm like, it's not the letter Y, it's the word Y. You have to draw the correlation to them of what's the meaning of this work? How is it contributing to the betterment of our world? That's the direction we're going in. And if you get into the more spiritual world and transformational conversation, you know, they're talking about that we've stepped into the age of Aquarius and this is all about collaboration. And cooperation, right? It's not about competition anymore. It's about how do we all work together to make this world a better place? And what does your product have that's going to do it complementing my product and let's build together to make yep. it a better place? Yep, the,
0: what is your unique contribution statement? Oh, right. beautiful. I love the update and terminology. Um, so um, what comes out of the business passion test well I mean not besides all that great work of you know the contribution statement and the vision and and so forth. You know, is what is are there other or you know what are kind of the other pieces of it that clients can expect um, so that the analysis <laughs> yields. So my my business coach, right,
1: is always like you gotta be more concrete, Luann, you know What are the KPIs, what, you know, what have you? And I'm like, I'm the fluffy one on the other side. But the truth of the matter is, is that I see is people open up communication like they've never had before. It is a calmer, respective conversation because not only do we do this for the whole company, Shani, we do this for every employee. Every employee in the company gets to identify their own passions and look at how does this align with this company? So now they're coming to work because it's their heart wanting to do this work, not just to collect a paycheck from somebody else. So it shifts this light bulb in them. That is so cool, right? And so now when we have challenges in the company, we go, okay, what do we need to change? And how does it align with our values? Like it's obviously out of sync with our values. So we can come back to this conversation without anybody blame, shame, or pointing fingers. Yeah, so, yeah. Right? we just bring it back to the foundation and say, okay, let's build it up from here. So communication hugely opens up and in a new respectful way with that foundation. Um, people are attracted to you because they like you, who you are, yep, they love you for your unique contribution statement. So you attract the right employees, right? You attract the right team members to your team. Just like I was attracted to BNI for givers gain, just from that statement. It attracted me to want to be with this organization. And that's what an organization can expect when they have the right statement that reflects who they are. They will attract the right people that align with that. What does that do? That reduces internal turmoil and challenges, right? So we're more productive, right? We work more efficiently.
0: Yep.
1: So one of the first companies that we did the whole full process on reduced their overhead by 10% and increase their productivity by 30% because those that are the complainers and holding everybody else down, they opt out. Here's (laughs) another beautiful thing. They opt out. They're like, I'm not going to play by this game. Good. Then you're not the right fit for us anyway. Yeah. Yeah, That's what they call good turnover. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody has to get fired. And. Just like B&I knows that word of mouth is the best kind of marketing, right? Any employee leaves because they've been fired or feel like they've been pushed out, then they're out there saying bad things about you. Whether it was their fault or not, they're going to say bad things. But when they opt out and say, I chose because of my passions to go do something else, then they can still look back and say that was a good experience and that's a good employer. It's kind of about that other conversation about getting people in the right seats on the bus yeah right and the strength finder spoke to that right play to people's strengths stop trying to fix their weaknesses rather play to their strengths and throw away those old job descriptions and purposely work on what are these people good at well now we pull passion into that and we say what are you passionate about so great story from the first company we worked with as well uh it's called listen up espanol telemarketing catalog kind of company and um One of the employees was really passionate about caring for children and the owners realized that when they had originally envisioned envisioned the company. They had planned on having a daycare in the building so that parents could visit their children during the day and they had never followed through on that component it got lost in the focus on the bottom line as often does with CEOs. Mm -hmm. And then there was a fire in the daycare that the children are all going to down the street. And they felt really badly about that. They had failed on following through with the commitment they had made in the beginning, but they shifted, they shifted and they moved her out of her telemarketing job and they put her in charge of a daycare and they built a daycare and they honored that commitment that they had made to their original values of the company and see that's how things can get lost. When you lose focus of what your original foundation, your core values were, then you lose some of those all important things right. okay. that perhaps aren't directly related to the bottom line, right? But are still so important to compassion, right? To being yeah. human beings yeah. with one another, to loving one another and allowing us to love our jobs, you know? We love well, our companies. Yeah. That's Steve Farber's whole philosophy, is right. You want your customers to love you, correct? Yes, absolutely. So absolutely. you want your customers to love you. So love them. Love your employees who are the front line to your customers, and take care of them. Boy, I learned that message way back in my first years of college in the hospitality industry. What is a leader's greatest asset? Their employees, people. of
0: course. Yep, people. People. So you treat I your people well, they'll treat your customers well, and the bottom line will follow. Exactly.
1: So I often say, you know, happy employees and uh, happy customers equal
0: a happy bottom line. Yep, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's like you're, you're the upper Midwest equivalent of me, like, <laughs> of like our brains were separated at birth or something. <laughs> And that's why, you know, the universe brought
1: us together again. So
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, for well, one, one last question I have for you before we recap and bid adieu. In um, in prepping for the podcast today, I saw that you also spearheaded an initiative called I Hug. Just tell us a little bit about what that is, because I mean, even just the name brings a smile <laughs>
1: I started wearing this little button six or eight years ago and it was a warning sign to people because I'm a hugger that I'm gonna <laughs> hug you I'm gonna hug you if you get in proximity so just know it right so that was the original premise and then um I realized that I for- I'd forget I was even wearing it I had it on my lapel every piece of clothing I wore and people would come up to me, and they'd go, I hug you, and really, you know, like, you know, I have a hug, and a flight attendant said to me one time, I slept the whole flight just like this with my little bin on my lapel, and I hadn't talked to anybody, I was on the back of the bus, and so I was the last one off the plane, and she's standing over to the side, and she said, I hug you, but you need a hug, sweetheart. She goes, I do. Dropped my luggage, gave her a big hug, you know. It became a human experiment. And my friends in the Transformational Leadership Council, who actually got me connected to the guy that originated the button, he's now given me the rights to the button. But anyway, they're like, you got to write a book, Luann. You got to write a book. I wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hug my journey as a hugger. It's just a little 76-page great coffee table book. About the scientific value of the human hug, about little stories like I just shared with you for fun, you know, right. and transformational leaders' um, documentation, comments, things they've wrote about hugs. It truly is. I mean, the struggle is real during a pandemic. Yeah, we have lost a lot of human touch. That's really important for our health and well-being, right? And it li- literally has healing qualities. The human hug, right? So. I was meditating one day and the message I got was you need to, I hug across America in 2020 and to combat the polarization of the political arena and bring human beings back together with a simple human hug. And so that was the fall (laughs) of 2019. And a friend of mine, I was telling her I was going to do this. I had this download that this is what I needed to do. And she's like, Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You don't know anything about the political arena. You're gonna get yourself in trouble. Someone's gonna hurt you. I'm like, well, who's gonna hurt me? I'm 4'11, blonde, little fireball. I just want to give out hugs. <laughs> really? But that's what started happening, and, I, and she challenged me. She said, "All right, you think you can do this? Go to the Trump rally. He's coming to Minneapolis, and you hug everybody there." And I'm like, "All right, I go." <laughs> I tell somebody else that's what I'm gonna do is go hug people at the Trump rally. And she's like, I'll be your bodyguard. Like, I don't need a bodyguard. What are you talking about? She's like, I'm coming as your bodyguard. So the other funny thing that happened, Shani, is that I would invite people. I didn't wanna be the only one. I wanted a crowd of people sure. to make uh-huh. an impact, right? And everyone's like, we love what you're doing Luann," but no, 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 no. <laughs> I couldn't possibly come do that, no. But we love it that you're doing it. Go do. Yeah. So I ended up with two friends who really thought they were my bodyguards. They had no intention of hugging anyone. And my two children. So special. They didn't hug anyone either. (laughs) But my son was standing at their street corner hawking people. Free hugs here. Free hugs here. That's awesome. So Minneapolis did a great job of separating the Trump supporters and the protesters on two different sides of the Target center. I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of what was happening at first. So I find myself at the place where they're um, ushering in all the Trump supporters, and I'm hugging people and they're hugging me and they're saying, oh, Luann, thanks so much. This is what we need right now in the world. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much. Over and over, the same comments. Perfectly quiet crowd, perfectly lovely situation. And then one of them whispers in my ear and said, that's what happens when you get hugs, by the way, people whisper in your ear things. And he said, you gotta go to the other side. That's where the people are angry. You go to the other side, hug those people, they need you. And I'm like, who are those people? What other side? And so I went to the other side and I hugged those people and they were angry and masked before we needed to be masked. And they were the protesters. But when I hugged them, they said, thanks so much. We're so glad you're here. This is what we need right now. And I'm like, you're both saying the same thing. What's the problem here?
0: I know. So
1: my campaign was shut down after I got to the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primaries, and then the pandemic hit and my hugs across America quit. So I say to the world, thank you for bringing it up with me. Watch for the I hug movement to come back in the future. And my mission is to get huggers in every state going to events and hugging people I, not love that. That. I don't necessarily travel all across america but there will be people all across america on board with the iHug movement and sure. i'm ready i'm ready with the buttons i'm ready with the materials it's just it's got to be the right timing and certainly right now is not absolutely it. well in the meantime we can do e-hugs <laughs> this is the sign language for hugs I learned that when the pandemic hit, I'm like, wow. Right. Talk about inclusivity. You should have known that. I should have known that before, but anyway, yeah, that's what I keep trying to do. Virtual hugs.
0: Well, what a lovely way to conclude the podcast hearing that story of your hugs across the world. If one last comment to to go with business,
1: there's a chapter in my I hug book about hugs in business that with me and Dr. Ivan Meisner Okay. about that. So so that leads to the
0: question I was about to ask, which is if people want to reach you and find your your hug book or take the passion test
1: with you, how can they reach you? So my website is LuannB.com. That's L-U-A-N-N-B.com, real simple. Um, And there's a free session on there for 30 minutes with me to discuss the passion test and anything else they want to talk about that I've shared with them today. The iHug movement is a whole nother website and the book is on there and you can find my other books uh, on Amazon. So, and of course there's LinkedIn, hook up with me on LinkedIn and have a conversation.
0: Well, little spark, it was so awesome to have you on the show today, (laughs) otherwise known as Luann Buechler. Um, And for those of you listening and watching i hope you took away some magic today whether it's the bni slogan of givers gain or you're compelled to take the passion test i personally love the idea of combining strength finders and the passion test to connect you know your your intellectual and behavioral strengths with your passions from your heart and your soul and of course the passion test for business has really got my mind spinning as a way to modernize the old mission vision values and take it into the 21st and 22nd century when gen- generation y who wants to know why we can help keep them motivated and engaged so Take all that with you and go give hugs as soon as it's allowed. <laughs> and then stay tuned for the next episode of the Leadership Show. We will see you next time. Mwah.